In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, there you go. The Beach Boys, once again, prescient in their knowledge of various and sundry games of skill and chance, knowing that in order to win, certainly at the highest levels of chess, you would need good vibrations. Mm -hmm. Chess and and other things. I mean, uh, any type of game of chance, vibrations can come in handy. Yeah. And uh, for those of you saying to yourselves, well, the Beach Boys... Certainly recorded that before the 80s. Maybe, maybe, I, to be honest, I didn't look, but I guarantee you that they performed it in the 80s. And so, you know, we like to stretch our repertoire out a little bit to songs that have been performed in the 80s and really any 80s, 1880s, 1780s, whatever the case may be. We are off and running. David Pridham and Brad Sheaf, we're back here. We mean, we mean business as always. Uh, you can learn more about our program on uh, our website, which if you're typing at a uh, computer, it's ipfrequently.com. You can follow us on social media at IP underscore frequently. Uh, you can catch us wherever you get uh, and consume consume your podcasts, including the uh, Salem Podcast Network, uh, where we are prominently featured on the website, Brad, as I, as I recently found out. Yeah, that's nice. And of course, I don't know why we wouldn't be. Uh, next, Brad, the two big news items of the week that everyone relies on. Uh, you and I have been uh, said to have our fingers on the pulse of America at this point. A lot of people are listening to the show. I actually had my brother-in-law who almost um, started, uh, almost played quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, was over this weekend. And, um, you know, he loves the show. And uh, he, he was saying how funny we are and uh, laugh out loud funny, which is Friggin' awesome to get uh, feedback like that. And we do, in a, in a sense, have, uh, you know, our finger on the pulse of society. And uh, these are the two news items that no one no one can can live without. You need them, right? You have to have them. It's like a fig. Now, neither, of, neither you or I are junkies, but this is what like a fix is like. You need your news fix, and then you need nothing else. You need nothing else but these two items. Right. All that's true. Yeah. And what we do is we try to prepare you and arm you so that uh, y'all you know, can go out there in society and, and survive, right? And exist um, and, and not have a stranger's car tossed into your backyard with no, uh, uh, no, no way to deal with it or even understand it for that matter. Um, but uh, these are, these are new, news items that uh, you need and you, you, you want. Uh, first, Brad, uh, everyone is getting ready for the holiday season. Of course, we've got the big, uh, Columbus Day holiday coming up, and then we've got uh, uh, the Halloween 
and then the Thanksgiving uh, and Christmas and the other the Hanukkah thing. Um, but uh, but uh, for Thanksgiving, everyone likes to have a trimmed bird at the table. I know you're a ham man and you like to have a big old ham at the table, but you're, you enjoy a turkey now and again. Yeah, I'm actually not a huge ham fan. I don't mind it on like a ham and cheese sandwich. Uh, the Canadian version, commonly referred to as Canadian bacon, is fine on pizza. But like a sliced ham is, you know, not my favorite. I actually prefer the bird. But, you know, there are folks who do enjoy a ham, but perhaps spiral cut. Yeah, that's, yeah, that look, and that's, that's no truer words have been said. But for all the rest of us that enjoy a, a good, a good turkey, a good roast turkey, uh, this mm-hmm. year, uh, there may be, they may be in for a rude awakening. Uh, currently, there is a, did you know there's a turkey shortage in America? But how is that possible? Don't these, you know, bird companies about which, you know, people have protested, you know, you're murdering the turkeys and you know, the turkeys are just out there living their best lives and people are, you know, putting on ski masks and grabbing, you know, hatchets and just, you know, willy nilly, uh, you know, murdering and and debauching themselves with turkeys. I thought I thought we were told that. And so uh, how can there possibly be a show, especially given the number of turkeys we saw in your in your mom's backyard? Yeah, we may we may have to go get those. We may have to go right. hunt those down right. because I understand that in the heartland of America, Minnesota is the number one turkey producing state, of course, in the country and uh, other states in the heartland of America, the soul of America, home of mm-hmm. Illa Omar, that uh, congresswoman, the one, one from the Iraq. Yeah. Um, nothing, yeah. nothing screams America like Illa Omar. Illa Omar. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's great. Um, but there is a big turkey shortage. Uh Apparently, grocery stores are running out of deli turkey. Frozen turkeys are no longer in uh, in plentiful supply. The Butterball Company is having a difficult time stocking shelves and preparing for the holiday season. And there are two reasons given for this. One, of course, is the pandemic and supply chain uh, strains that you would think would be over now that uh, COVID has passed. And, and the president has said we are out of the pandemic phase, but uh, not the case. And then two... Two, there's apparently a nasty case of uh, bird flu, which I believe uh, those of you following the show that started with um, that uh, case of dysentery that went through the Queen's partridges and that has now passed overseas. And so we have a turkey shortage, supply chain issues. And our recommendation here on the IP Frequent Program is that you go out, you being one of our many millions and millions of listeners, you go out and you buy your bird now. And if you have to go kill a wild turkey and gut it uh, now, uh, you should do it. There's nothing wrong with a turducken, but you can't have a turducken without the tur, and you can't have the tur if there's some sort of even bird flu going around. You, you see where I'm coming with this? Yeah, no, all of those things are absolutely true. And so you want to avoid the bird flu, particularly if you happen to be a bird. Now, I'm told uh, that there are a number of avians who listen to this show on a, a regular basis. And so if you happen to be one of them, uh, my guess is you're probably heading in a southerly direction at this point. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, stay away from Minnesota because the bird flu is rampant there. Just kind of swing out and around. You can go to the east or west, doesn't matter, um, but avoid that. And if you're not an avian, if you are someone who is looking for a turkey for Thanksgiving, then my suggestion is to go out to Cape Cod because the last time I was there, a man could walk from one side of the Cape to the other on the heads of turkeys and never set foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly true. I mean, they're 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 plenty full. They're everywhere. Uh, you can go bag three or four on the Cape just picking up the roadkill on the side of the road, and uh, you know you'd be fine. Now, my understanding, Brad, is strangely enough, this does not impact the chicken population of the uh, United States. It does not. Um, but it's a turkey only issue for now. God help us if it spreads to the uh, the chickens and, and some of the other bird, the quail. I know you're a big quail guy. I, I do, you know, occasionally enjoy quail. I, actually, my grandfather, my my mom's dad, was a big quail hunter, and so we would occasionally have quail when I was a kid, and we'd go over there. But they never got all the birds shot out, and so you know, you just fracture a tooth here, a tooth there. Yeah. So, so the message here is get out, get your bird early, get some roadkill, get a wild turkey if you must, but uh, you need to get that, make that room in the freezer so that you have the turkey because odds are this is going to be a turkeyless Thanksgiving. Wow. Just even saying it hurts your heart, buddy. True. Next, Brad, uh, the second biggest news item of the week, uh, of course, this was Wasteland Weekend in the Mojave Desert. Now, I don't know, did you attend this year? Wasteland Weekend. Never heard of it, buddy. The, well, I'm not sure if that's 100% accurate, but I, I do believe you've attended before. This is the big uh, Burning Man style festival called Wasteland Weekend. It is a uh, homage, if you will, to the Mad Max movies where a bunch of bohemians or otherwise um, pampered uh, U.S. Uh, youth uh, travel to the desert, uh, imbibe uh, all sorts of nasty habits, including booze and um, drugs, crack cocaine. Brad in the desert and crack cocaine. Uh, and then they engaged in a number of Burning Man style Mad Max like events, uh, such as fight to the death under the Thunderdome and uh, biking in full costume in the desert. Uh, and uh, otherwise, listen to DJs and some wonderful, some of the great house music of our time. But um, it sounds like uh, Burning Man was not enough. Uh, and uh, they've added this new Mad Max style weekend, and it, it attracts tens of thousands of people to the uh, the desert, which I believe is very warm, especially during this uh, Southern California heat wave. But it all sounds fascinating. I can't believe I've I've never heard of Wasteland Weekend. I, I can tell you what the upside though is: is if if you live next door to anyone who would go to Wasteland Weekend, and they do, that's a win for you. Right. Well, however long Wasteland Weekend lasts, and my guess is it's you know at least a weekend. Maybe we extend it three day, maybe four day. If you really want to stretch it, that's four days where your ridiculous neighbor is gone, right? And so you know all of these festivals sort of work to the advantage of the neighbors of the people who go. Because if you're the kind of person who goes to one of these festivals, I guarantee you you're a crap neighbor, and so. This is an advantage for all the folks kind of in your neighborhood that you have taken off and gone to this thing. Yeah. And this is sort of like the metaverse meets the real world, because all these people, as far as I can tell, are dressed like you know, Mad Max like characters. And then they have pretend fights uh, in the desert. It's very dusty, by the way, too. The, the thing is, I, this is not for me because of all the dust and, and just being close to people that probably haven't showered in a number of days, pretending to be characters in a movie that I didn't really like. Um, uh, none of that, none of that is for, none of that is for me, but maybe it's for you, but it, you know, it's, it's nice how people can go and play make-believe in the desert and have a good time. And yeah, no, sounds great. One more reason not to ever be in the Mojave desert. Well, certainly not in the middle of the Mad Max, uh, 
Mad Max weekend, but it looks like, you know, it looks like these people have a, have a lot of time on their hands. And the message here really is for those of you who are running a small business, an enterprise, if you will, uh, maybe a laundromat, I, I don't know. Um, and one of your employees comes to you and they say, they say, sir or ma'am, and you say yes. And they say, listen, I, I, uh, I, I really need this weekend off. And you say, well, why do you need the weekend off? And they say, well, I'm going to Wasteland Weekend in the Mojave Desert. Now, my recommendation, I'd be interested to hear your thought, Brad, is to say, of course, you can go to the Wasteland Weekend. And at that point, as soon as they leave and they put on their uniform, a little, little costume, and they go off to the thing, um, I think it's incumbent upon you to do a couple of things. First, call your payroll provider and have them taken off payroll. Any benefits you provide these people, unlikely as it may be, take them off the benefits too. Change the locks on your business. If it's a punch code, change the punch code. You could even make it the last four digits of your telephone number because they're not going to crack that code. Uh, and then go on with your life as if that person never existed. No, I couldn't agree more, but that's exactly the way you do it. And then you allow the folks that were seated around this former employee who is now on their way to Wasteland Weekend, you allow them two minutes of celebration, the likes of which would not be allowed by the NFL. They can, they can pull Sharpies out of their socks and sign footballs. They can dance, they can convert, they can do whatever they want to do in celebration of the fact that this, you know, moron is no longer going to be part of the business. That's allowed. Mm -hmm. If you look at some of the small business codes, you'll note it is in there typically in section 13 and you, you just give them two minutes of celebration. Then everybody gets back to work and everybody feels better about it. Brad, uh, next we'll you know we'll just start ticking things off because there's a lot to cover today. The uh, uh, I believe American socialite Ann Ryan. Do you follow Ann Ryan at all? She's about seventy years old. Ann Ryan, daughter not, of is that like dear Ann? Is that like how? No, it's who is daughter she? of daughter of Jack Ryan. Now Ann Ryan is currently in litigation with the big uh, toy giant Mattel. Uh, over the rights to the Barbie doll, and she wants her father, wow. Jack Ryan, to have his um, uh, you know, proper due be given to him as the inventor of the, uh, the Barbie doll. He's actually uh, named on a couple of the uh, uh, patents. Apparently, there are patents uh, related to the, uh, the Barbie doll. He's named on these patents. Um, but uh, the big giant, the, the juggernaut that is Mattel, one of the two toy companies that really matter, right? Mattel and Hasbro, Hasbro, Mattel, Tango and Cash, Cash. And, that's it. You get, you get nothing else. You got, you got Mattel, you got Hasbro. In this case, it's Mattel. And Mattel is apparently trying to um, uh, wipe Jack Ryan from the, uh, the, the written and oral history of the uh, creation of the Barbie doll. Well, that's too bad. Why, why would one do that? Why would one they, would what ask, Jack right? do? One, yeah, one one would ask. Um, and uh, uh, so so Anne Ryan, the daughter of Jack Ryan, is very forthright in, in, in talking about this. And she says that there are a number of reasons uh, that they may at the big uh, Mattel be doing this um, blacklisting Jack Ryan, for lack of a better word. Um, but she points to his debauched lifestyle as potentially a uh, uh, um, a, a reason. And again, I. I don't know, but apparently many years ago, Jack Ryan uh, was a very popular man about town in the okay. L.A. area. Bon vivant, 
some Mon might say. Vivant. He owned a castle-like home. A, a, this is a home shaped like a castle, Brad. I believe it also had a moat and partridges like the queen, but that, of course, is ruining this year's Thanksgiving. He also, uh, I was about to say it was a single uh, man about town, a popular single, but that wasn't the case. He was married about five or six times. Um, and he was referred to as a, quote, kinky swinger who hosted sex orgies at his L.A. castle. Um, and he was apparently well known for these orgies that he used to host. And um, apparently that cuts cuts against the uh, grain of the uh, Barbie uh, um brand and and so the people of mattel don't want anything to do with this gentleman now his daughter says none of that should matter because he is the true creator of the uh the barbie doll well buddy i mean raise your hand if you're surprised that a dude who designed a doll that is you know about as anatomically incorrect from the average woman but you know certainly would be the dream body for any commercial sex worker raise your hand if you're surprised that that guy was somewhat focused on the female form right i mean i i as you were reading this i of course had no idea about any of this that was going on or who jack ryan was or what his relationship to barbie was but as you were reading this off i along with many members of our studio audience were just nodding our heads going yeah that makes perfect sense who yeah. else would design a barbie doll well, that's a good point. I mean, that, that's a good point. The question is, is this kinky swinger from the 70s the true father of the uh, the Barbie line? It sounds like he is. Um, now, whether or not the folks at Mattel are going to uh, give him his his due, um, you know, that is uh, that 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 remains to be litigated in the uh, federal and state courts across this great land. But at this point, I think we have to say and I've actually seen pictures, Brad, of this castle. It's mm -hmm. an impressive structure. Of course, it was being built at the time the photo I saw was taken. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's pretty clear to me that he was a um, bon vivant. He was a man about uh, uh, town. He also invented the twist and turn Barbie, um, probably uh, in response to one of his kinky uh, sex orgies in his castle home. Uh, but um, at the end of the day, you and I are entrepreneurs. We represent many, many inventors across the globe. And uh, this is just par for the course. Uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't done a ton of doll patents. I don't remember having worked on the Barbie franchise at all. Um, but uh, we certainly, you know, we certainly could have. Next, Brad, of course, we have an update on the um, anal uh, beads uh, update. First, the... Uh, uh, Big uh, pro poker tour has been rocked with uh, scandal um, because apparently um, a poker newcomer, Robbie Jade Liu, won an all in hand for a pot of uh, almost $300,000, thanks in part to a hidden, a hidden vibrating device in um, within him. And uh, what apparently was happening is there was someone with mirrors and a hidden camera and a Morse code device hitting it and maybe it's not the right term to use but yeah uh, yeah you want to be careful there tapping the that's not good either but anyway manipulating the morse code device in such a way that it would send clear morse code messages to the buttocks of this uh robbie jade lou so that he would know what to play are you are i you believe it's a she buddy I believe it's i believe robbie is a she again i i make no judgments brad i'm not making any judgments about that none none whatsoever in any event, there were anal beads a involved. Picture here. 
There, I haven't even scrolled that far. I'm just looking at the bullet points. That's it. Yeah. Listen, we, we don't have to get down and dirty here. I think I think this story has already done it for us. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think we're uh, look, well. We're, the key I, aspect of the story, though, is it might create additional, you know, opportunities for vibration. And obviously, the chess player was a male. We discussed that over the last couple of weeks. This being a female, sort of, you know, doubles, if you will, the opportunities for Morse signaling in this, you know, using this kind of technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also understand now there are other I mean, examples of this. I mean, we all know Aaron Judge is racing against the clock uh, in this uh, quest for home run number 62. I understand that he's been using anal beads all season. Yes, but only to increase his power. He's not being signaled by them. They just, they serve to increase his power. Nothing will up your bat speed um, <laughs> like the appropriate use of anal beads. That's what I'm told. What yeah, I'm told. and I, I wouldn't yeah. know because I, you know, I've never used them. I don't even, but, but we're learning a whole lot more about this. Um, uh, so uh, we need to, you know, we, we, we need to be on the lookout for uh, um, other examples where anal beads are coming into play. And, and Aaron Judge is one of those examples. Next, Brad, President Biden uh, himself thanked uh, a number of members of the U.S. Coast Guard for saving lives during Hurricane Ian. Um, you know, the Coast Guard was out there. They were the first responders. They were doing a lot of great work in Fort Myers, Naples, some of these areas where they were really uh, hit hard and where a lot of people didn't leave. Uh, a lot of people stayed in their home, which yeah, was understandable. And, and uh, the, the folks at the Coast Guard uh, were able to um, uh, were able to get them out uh or a lot of the people out um and and one of the people in particular that was uh given a pat on the back by the president was uh uh aviation survival technical uh second technician second class zach loesch who was uh basically told by the white house good job and then the next day uh aviation survival technician second class zach loesch was terminated by the Coast Guard for failure to get his COVID vaccine. Um, so it seems, Brad, that the, uh, the the pandemic may not be over. Uh, but thank goodness that uh, this whole thing happened the way it was, because otherwise, uh, this gentleman would not have been saving lives because he would have been uh, kicked out a couple of days earlier and then not uh, been around to help people who were threatened by Hurricane Ian. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, government inefficiency serves the people. Buddy, I mean, if you ever see what these survival technicians do and the rescue swimmers do from the Coast Guard, it, I mean, it is nothing short of awe-inspiring, right? I mean, they, they, these are folks who not only have, you know, incredible training and skills, but, you know, balls the size of pickle barrels and, and go out into these storms to save folks who, for whatever reason, have, you know, seem to be, you know, sailing through them. And you get congratulated by the head of the executive branch on day one for having put yourself at risk in the service of others for very short pay. I mean, you can look up what these folks make. And then the next day you're terminated because you didn't get your COVID vaccine. Now it's fine that you didn't have your COVID vaccine. You could be well within six feet of the people that you were putting your life on your on the line to rescue. That's okay. Um, but because you didn't get the vaccine the next day, you're terminated from that job, which you are obviously very good at. And I mean, just from a purely mercenary perspective, the government has spent a ton of money training you to the level where you can perform that job. 
you know, th this administration is tone deaf when, you know, it started with pushing out police officers. Now we're pushing out anyone that won't follow down the path of uh, taking, you know, getting jabbed over and over again with this vaccine. And whatever you think about it is whatever you think about it. But, um, you know, these are the decisions being made. And at the same time, at the same time, you've got a president of the United States who are out there giving speeches and calling on dead Congress people to, uh, to, to stand up. And then, you know, the administration is fighting about the uh, look and feel of that whole thing and, and the, you know, the, the aesthetics of a president calling for someone who's been dead for a couple of weeks to come on up and take congratulations. Um, it, it's troubling. And the question sort of is, who, who's making these decisions? Because certainly not the president. Yeah, well, I, buddy, that's the key question, right? I mean, again, you cannot look at any public appearance given by Joe Biden and come away from it saying, well, clearly that is a person who is, you know, large and in charge, right? But you just, you, you can't. In fact, depending on your, you know, particular personality, you either come away from that just sort of laughing at how screwed up he is, or just feeling sorry for someone who is clearly being propped up as a puppet for someone else's agenda. I mean, every time you watch Joe Biden, he walks, he's just wandering around rooms. He has no idea where he is. As you mentioned, he's trying to have a conversation with dead people. It's just crazy. And then, you know, you say, well, you know, maybe that's not so bad. Let's see who our vice president is. And then you pivot over to that and it just gets worse. And you've got the vice president of the United States, you know, touting the exceptionally strong bond that we have with North Korea. I, I, I mean, it's just she's standing in South Korea when she says that about North Korea. She can't even get the country that she's in correct. And those are the two folks that are nominally in charge of the administration. So you know that's not them, right? I mean, you know that whoever is making the actual decisions isn't them. And then you say, well, okay, I mean, maybe that's for the better. Maybe whoever's actually pulling the strings, you know, knows what they're doing, except they trot the president out to give an award to a guy who's going to be fired tomorrow under his policy. So obviously they don't know what they're doing. I mean, that is the question. Who is in charge? Who is deciding what the executive branch's position is going to be on any given issue? Who are those people and why are they so dumb? Well, that's exactly right. Why are they so dumb? I mean, they, you just go through the week and, and you're exactly right. You've got the, the, um, the, the dead congresswoman being called on, who he, by the way, was going to meet with her family the next day and give um, recognition to because she was part of this food bill they passed. Uh, then you've got Kamala Harris running around talking about an alliance with North Korea. And it's not just a slip of the tongue, right? I mean, you used to see that all the time with uh, W. Bush where there'd be a little slip of the tongue, but you never had somebody get up there and, and tout an alliance with a country that is like, you know, the literally the enemy of the uh, of the of the U.S. and certainly the mortal enemy of a lot of our of a lot of our allies. I mean, right after this moron got up there and said that they lobbed another you know, ballistic missile test over uh, Japan and, you know, Japan is, is having people evacuate certain certain areas. Um, so obviously a very dangerous country but how could she even say like even if it's on a teleprompter right how could you even say that first of all it wasn't but i mean she's just it just it just leads you to believe that the judgment of these people is so 
effed up. It's so screwed up. And these are the people that are in charge. And that's why you have people like um, this uh, Coast Guard officer being discharged, right? Um, it's just the dumbest set of priorities we could possibly have um, being promulgated by the dumbest set of people we could possibly have. And I thought but, after the last administration, we wouldn't we wouldn't be in a place where we were like dumbing down things. But here we are. But I mean, again, it would be bad enough if we lived in a country where, you know, you passed down the leadership, you know, father to son or mother to daughter or whatever, or where there was some, you know, form of government where the people themselves did not have a say in who's in charge. But thank goodness we don't. We live in a representative democracy. And while I say thank goodness, because that that is the form of government that is preferable, as Winston Churchill said, democracy is a terrible form of government, but it's the best one we got. He is right about that. And we have that here in the United States of America. And we are pissing it away by voting for these people. Right? We have, if you want to blame someone for the current state of government, walk to the nearest place where there is a reflective surface, could be a mirror, could be a body of calm water, could be the bottom perhaps of a well-polished copper pot. It doesn't matter. Look at your reflection and say, hey, that's me. I, I'm responsible. I need to vote better. And, and, and here's a wild, crazy suggestion. Don't vote along a party line. Okay. D -d Don't do that. I promise you that in any ballot that you pick up somewhere within party A or B, Democratic, Republican, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. There's a moron in there. Okay. Don't vote for that person because they have an R or a D after their name. Vote for the person who is most likely to do a good job of whatever job you're voting them for which you are voting them in. Okay. Just, mm -hmm. just think about that for two seconds, do a little bit of research. The internet exists, buddy. When you and I were kids, it was hard to know what policies and platforms, different candidates, particularly, you know, state or local candidates were behind, right? I mean, you either had to attend a debate or go to a speech or maybe if you were fortunate, your local paper would have a little insert when it came time for voting where, you know, you sort of were able to, to read up on the different candidates and what their policies were now, but it takes you two seconds. You just look on the internet, figure it out and vote for the person who will do the job the best. Finally, just a couple of quick notes before we uh, head to the Central Valley uh, on, a, on a tour of uh, lovely Italian delicacies. Uh, RIP report this week, Brad. Tony Dow is still alive. Probably about a month and a half after you reported him dead, uh, but uh, passed away this week. Antonio Inoki, the great Japanese mixed martial arts wrestler, et cetera, who fought Ali back in the 70s, and the uh, great Loretta Lynn, coal miner's daughter, uh, passed oh, away. No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about both of those things. If you had combined them into a coal miner's daughter who had fought Muhammad Ali, that would have been something. Uh, true. Of course, you can learn more about this program at IPFrequently.com. Follow us on the uh, social media at IP underscore Frequently. And uh, you can uh, download us wherever you consume your podcasts, including the Salem Podcasts Network. Next, Brad, we promised everyone at the outset of this year that we would keep them abreast 
of what's going on in the uh, the big election. Of course, uh, we're a month or so out from the midterms and uh, the Senate, the House uh, of Representatives are both uh, on the line, the local school board. Uh, well, Brad, I bring you to Democratic State Senator who is up for uh, re-election, Toby Ann Stavinsky, uh, who represents College Point and Whitestone, New York. Um, uh, apparently has uh, been called into the uh, into the spotlight. Uh, Toby and I believe is a woman, um, mm-hmm. 83 years old. I'm not 100% sure. And again, I wow. don't uh, dare know. Of course, she's known on her website as a grandmother. Usually when you're up for re-election, you want to be careful what you do, especially on social media. Of course, you have a uh, very prominent presence on social media at IP underscore frequently. And um so does Senator uh, Toby Ann, uh, who apparently has been all about uh, uh, you know, the, the Twitter and the Instaface, and now has uh, it's come to light that uh, Toby Ann has liked on the Twitter a number of foul texts about oral sex and another uh, another um, uh, group of um, videos that are X-rated videos of hardcore smut. Uh, that uh, <laughs> that was tweeted out under the banner quote. Do you think? Do you think I can sing? I don't even know what that means, but I'm. I'm uh, yeah, I don't anyway. want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> but uh, uh, Stavinsky, a grandmother who was first elected again back in 1882, uh, is seeking a 12th term and is the chairwoman of the uh, Senate Higher Learning uh, Committee. Um, li- literally looks like a poor woman's Anne Richards. And apparently she has been uh, treading on some graphic content online. And I guess the question is, Brad, would you still vote for Toby Ann or would you uh, move on to her sure to be right wing uh, opponent? Well, but I think we get to the bottom of a couple of things first. Right. So I, here's what I know based on uh, your very fine reporting is that we have an 83 year old. What would we have formerly called in this country a woman, but we're not sure about what that means anymore. So we, we can't just bandy that, you know, ambiguous term about. Um, so she's but in any case, she, it, they are 83 years old, have been in public office since the Coolidge administration. And somehow their social media presence. And again, you listen to the show for five minutes, you know, I don't know a lot about this. I, I, I have never done social media, don't do it today, but you know, somehow they're indicating their affection for this, uh, you know, particular brand of porn. media entertainment. Yeah. Porn. And so the question boils down to, did she really do it? In which case you almost have to vote for her. Don't you? I mean, if you're 83 years old, been in public office since the Coolidge administration, and you're just throwing out, you know, thumbs up or hearts or smiley faces or whatever it is for hardcore porn. You kind of got to tip your cap there, buddy. Now, my guess is that whatever social media platform this poor gal, you know, has some kid, you know, managing for her, because I do not know. I, I, I mean, you and I are both in our 50s. You know, we're nominally capable of managing, you know, modern technology. No one that I know who is in their, you know, ninth decade is competently handling social media platforms. I guarantee you she has someone who's doing that for her. So either that person is stupid enough to be given the old thumbs up to, hey, do you think I could sing? 
<laughs> or, you know, she's been hacked and, you know, someone is just having a good time at her expense. Uh, well, but I, I, I guess where I would come down is if she herself did it, she gets my vote. If, yeah. if not, then I think you have to reconsider. Now, there, there, you're right. There is a there is a hack um, potential. Her spokesman, Pierre Bricks, who I'm sure is just a barrel <laughs> of fun. Yeah. Or Pier- sorry, like Pierce. It. Pierce Bricks, it's not better, um, it, it has given a quote on this. Um, and apparently it's Pierce Bricks who controls the account. He said, quote, uh, there is malfeasance of some sort. Um, and uh, he said, continued, I don't know what happened or who had access. It wasn't the senator and it wasn't me, end quote. So there it is. Pierce Bricks has said it best. And look, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think she did like this. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that for this person. Uh, next, Brad, um, more uh, fallout from Hurricane Ian. And um, we, we probably should have mentioned this in the last segment where we were talking about the morons who are in charge of the executive branch. But, uh, you know, they, they, of course, your, your dear friend, the vice president, was interviewed uh, the other day um, about hurricane relief. And she said, quote, um, that the Biden administration is focused, quote, on giving resources based on equity to communities of color first. Um, and uh, that obviously caused panic in the uh, in the community uh, communities that were impacted by this, that somehow race based um, uh resources were going to be somehow used in terms of resource allocation, race-based decision-making. And uh, it was quickly walked back by uh, a number of uh, disaster relief entities saying that it was just completely untrue. And, um, you know, DeSantis's administration, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, came out and said the first lady was just outright lying in this interview. Um, But uh, Brad, I guess the question is, do you think that communities of color should get uh, the uh, the benefit of government assistance first uh, when it comes to hurricane relief. But I mean, first and foremost, let's just go back and review what she said, right? So if you haven't seen this video clip, go and look at it because it's ju- it's just unsettling. Again, set aside the content, right? Set aside the message. She can't put a sentence together. She literally cannot speak in coherent, you know, message delivering, clarifying statements. She can't do it, right? And she never does, right? I mean, we, we talked about the thing with North Korea. I mean, obviously that's a glaring error to make in that speech, but the whole speech didn't make sense. She just steps on all of her own syntax and grammar. And so you, you come away from looking at that video clip and you have no idea what she said. She says, well, you know, we're going to do it based on equality, but of course we have to worry about equity. And as you know, those aren't the the same two things. So we're going to do it equality. You just have no idea what she said, right? So that should disturb you because she's the vice president of the United States. Then set that aside for a second, then wade into the content, try and figure out, try to parse what she said and figure it out. And she appears to be saying that we're not going to deliver the resources of the federal government, which are all provided by the taxpayer, right? So every resource that the federal government could potentially bring to bear in any catastrophe anywhere in the United States all originated with the people of the United States, some of which are the very people who have been affected and who have every right to say, hey, 
I have been affected by this. This is how I have been effective. This is the aid I need. Where can I go to get it? Right. And what you have is the vice president saying, well, none of that matters. We're going to solely look at the color of people's skin, and then we're going to distribute the aid. Now, fortunately, DeSantis is right. She is lying. No one is going to do that. Right. I mean, even if they wanted to do that, they're not yet dumb enough to have all the trucks roll into neighborhood A, where a certain kind of people live, and have none of them roll into neighborhood B, where a different kind of people live. I mean, the visuals of that. The optics of that would be so incredibly bad that even these people are not going to do that. So now you have to circle all the way back and go, well, which is worse? The vice president claiming the administration is going to take a completely ridiculous approach to the distribution of aid in the wake of the hurricane, or the fact that she's just talking out of her vice presidential buttocks and seems to think she can say whatever she wants. Well, listen, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because... It just she says whatever comes to her mind. He's senile. And then on the other side of the ledger, you got uh, the former president calling the wife of the Taiwanese born wife of Mitch McConnell, Coco Chow, um, in, in front of tens of thousands of people just doesn't care. So that that's sort of the um, you know, that's sort of the balancing act you've got on both sides of this. It's lunacy. These people are idiots. And uh, and, you know, you've got to uh, you've got to they've, they've got to all go. Finally, uh, Barter Band, Bronze Stevie Award winning segment. Brad, I bring you the Fall Brawl Fishing Tournament. The fishing tournament, of course, uh, is part of the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championships. It's, to, of course, oh, uh, yeah. Cleveland's Gordon Park. Um, and uh, I give you this is a competition where you go out and you fish. Have you, have you ever been in a fishing tournament? I have not. I have not. Okay. I, uh, then I can give you a little information on this. Not that I have, but I've, I've read about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You go out and you fish and you, um, you catch the fish and then they weigh the fish. And then the people okay. with the heaviest fish uh, mm-hmm. win the thing. They win the tournament. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So this week I give you the case and look, big tournament this this week, apparently Chase Kaminsky, who is a resident of Pennsylvania and Jake Runyon from Ohio. Again, two gentlemen, Rust juggernauts, juggernauts in the fishing world. Yeah. Yeah. Rust in their veins. They caught Mm -hmm. a walleye that um, and I guess walleye don't weigh that much, but they caught a 33 pound walleye, which is walleye is a flaky white fish, I believe. Mm, Okay, I'll buy that. Why do they call uh, it a walleye? Any idea? No. But uh, so these guys went out. These guys went out. They caught a 33-pound walleye more than two times, more than two times the the, the closest competitor. I guess like 15 or 14 pounds was the closest competitor. They have this 33-pound walleye, and apparently Mm -hmm. the judges looked at this. Tournament director, of course, Jason Fisher, who's been judging this tournament for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great tournament director, by the way. When it comes to the Walleye Fest, great tournament director. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Looked at the fish. And uh, I, I, from what I understand, I believe this was on ESPN three. Um, it didn't look much larger than the other fish, right? But it was more than double the weight. So the tournament director decided to gut the fish. At which point, he uh, identified a number of lead balls uh, d- deliberately put it into the walleye <clears throat> to uh, add pounds so that they would win the five thousand dollar prize. Now, the question I immediately have, Brad, is you 
capture the walleye, you make it eat the lead balls, you put mm-hmm. it back in Lake Erie, and then you have to go catch that particular walleye. What get? How, how is that possibly going to work? How are you sure you're going to catch that walleye? Well, I mean, hey, buddy, it's going to be on the very bottom of the lake, right? Mm-hmm. Because this poor walleye who, you know, is used to weighing eight pounds now weighs 33. I mean, he's, he's, he's on the bottom of the lake. So you fish deep mm-hmm. and I really can't blame the walleye. I mean, with the market being the way it is getting into metals as uh, often been recommended. I mean, typically it's gold or silver, but if you're a fish, I mean, maybe lead is all that you have available to you. And so he probably traded in some crap stock and got himself into lead. But, I, but I, I guess my question is this. So if you are a professional or even semi-professional walleye fisherman, right? So, you know, theoretically, you know, the species, you know, the walleye, Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, it's your greatest adversary, like Ho- Sherlock Holmes knew Moriarty, right? You know, the walleye and you reel this one in and let's say, let's say it's a big one, right? Let's say it weighs, you know, I mean, I think you said the next, you know, most weighty fish was 14 some pounds. So let's say this one weighs 10, right? <laughs> At what point in time do you think that ratcheting that bad boy up to 33 pounds is not going to draw the attention of the judges. Wouldn't you have been better served to maybe make your walleye weigh, you know, I don't know, 16 pounds? I mean, it seems like you may have overdone it when you take a regular-sized walleye and, you know, feign its weight at 33 pounds. See, that's the behavior that should be barred right there. That's just dumb. Yeah, I I would... would, Also note that these two are not new to controversy last year. Apparently they scored the top catch in the Lake Erie fall brawl and uh, were disqualified for stuffing lead into the, uh, into the fish. Uh, And, and interestingly enough, once the, um, uh, the, the, the fish were cut open by the tournament director um, and uh, Jason Fisher, of course, man of the people. um, Perfectly named for his job. And the uh, he, you know, he saw what was in there. He said, and I quote to the crowd who was gathering uh, ready to tar and feather these two individuals, mm-hmm. quote, we got weights and fish, end quote. So, you know, there it is. There it is. I mean, and enough said, right? That is a man of few but valuable words. We got weights in fish, right? And I think the appropriate punishment is you feed the weights back to the cheating fishermen. That's that's typically what's done in these cases. And then you throw them in the lake. That's what happens. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. So so I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to say, Brad, I'm, I'm feeling benevolent today. I'm going to say these guys should be given another chance. I'm going to say neither. Uh, and buddy, I agree with you. For what it's worth, I think there should be a contest solely about feeding lead weights to fish and then trying to catch them. There you have it. Uh, we've solved yet another problem. We have pursued both equity and equality, and you will find us doing exactly that right back here next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.